so how do you, are you guys feeling okay about kind of sitting tight for 15 to 20 minutes? I'll try, I'll make it as interactive as I can. Uh, so I, well, lots of you guys know this, and I think I've alluded to this story quite a bit, but over the, kind of from high school until about like 22 or 23, I was a volunteer in like this parachurch organization uh, called Young Life. You got anybody, does that ring a bell in the room? Yeah, right. Right on. So I was there for, uh, working there for seven years, and it was like a total match for me at the time. I just, I, I had a full-on riot with teenage boys. Uh, we would just always be doing this fun stuff together, but probably even as much as I liked that, and it probably collided with this other idea, other idea, is that I really appreciated having like this sense of purpose in my life, or this sense of mission, that I was to spend time with these teenagers and these teenage boys, and uh, they were they were going to follow my example in as much as it was, as it was healthy for them to follow my example. So seven years passed, and then it came to a point where I was with them from grade six. Let me have this. I was with one kid from grade six until grade twelve, so a little bit longer than that. But it was like a big commitment to my life that I was with these teenagers, this one in particular, and then his group of friends for like seven years. But then it came to an end when they graduated and kind of just like the stars were aligning and it made sense for me to depart from that, that like uh, arena of volunteering. So that, uh, with that, I kind of lost like that sense of mission or purpose and I tried out a few other things to get like the wheels spinning, which we long for that, don't we? To be doing something in our spare time that we sense has a lot of meaning or if we're lucky it's like it matches what we're doing from our nine to five. So I was a little bummed out that it came to an end, um, but then something new started percolating, and it was this idea of having like an in-house, so not a parachurch organization, an in-house youth program that wasn't just for New Heights' church kids, but it was also for kids who are unchurched and have no idea or reference point for who God is or anything about Jesus. But it was this fresh idea, and I was kind of just telling a few folks about it, but it was fresh and vulnerable. So uh, this is where the story gets a little bit weird as well. So I was, so I, th this has all happened, it's happened within kind of a year, and this fresh, vulnerable idea is in my mind. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sincere about it, because like it was so deeply meaningful having volunteered for all those years. So I was laying in bed one night, as you do, trying to go to bed, and I just like could not go to bed. It was so frustrating. Like, have you, have you guys ever been there where you're just trying and trying and the hours are passing and you're just like, nothing's happening. So you're trying all the different options. Like you're drinking water or you're drinking tea, you're having time. Just couldn't go to bed. That's, that's wait, what was funny, the time Yeah. Sometimes it just knocks you out. I'm a little ashamed to say how many can make me like get knocked out. So all of a sudden, I'm laying in bed, trying to go to sleep, and I have this really unusual but undeniable sense that God wants to say something to me. I've never had this in my entire life, my laying in bed, and have this overwhelming sense that, wow, I think like God, the Creator, wants to say something to me in this moment. So I launch out of bed, and it was just clear, like, God, you want to say something to me? 
And I don't even know how I have the tools to be able to recognize that. So I'm sitting on the edge of my bed in this, in this feeling of anticipation of like, what doozy is going to be dropped on me in this moment to get me out of bed? Or am I just like on an adventure of missing the point? Where have I gone? So I think th those who've experienced this will probably have or feel like they have a reference point. But I think it will. I've prefaced how weird it is. Because if you don't have a reference point, it is bizarre. So I had this image come to mind in my, in, in my, like in my consciousness or whatever. And it, it was of chickpeas. Chickpeas came to my mind. And it was, it was weird and I didn't understand it. So I kind of get into this place of anticipation. I try to refocus. And I'm saying, God, what, what in the world does chickpeas mean? What, what does that mean? So then I started, I waited there. And in another way that I can't explain, I started to get clarity on what chickpeas meant. And chickpeas, in that moment, at, when I was sitting on my bed, they, was, they were to like symbolize at this time of my life, it was like my talents and my resources and my life experience up until this point. I'm, I think I'm 20, I'm like freshly 26, that's how old I am now. And I'm like, okay, I, that's at least something to work with, but still chickpeas bizarre. So I, I focused again and kind of got into that place of anticipation. And sure enough, you have this impression that's difficult to explain. And it was then chickpeas being put into a mixer yeah. and they were turned to hummus. And I was just coming from Israel, so like I, this, these images were already in my mind. So they could have been the Israel memories or it's God. And then it was the chickpeas. So it's like my talents and my resources and my experience up until 26 are put into a processor and then it's turned to hummus. They, I don't know if there's garlic or like the red hot chilies or whatever. And uh, so really peculiar. And then in this kind of, there was no voice. There was no, I didn't hear a single thing, but I had this other very clear thought that felt like God was speaking. And it was, it was saying, I want to take the resources and talents of your life, and I want to turn them into a shareable experience, like hummus is. Which, that landed, I understood that. You guys understand that? Like, not a, not a chance. No, this is bizarre. So I, uh, I had that moment, and it ended up being like, whoa, that actually had resonance. That's how I was feeling. It was like this, there's another opportunity coming down the pipe to do something with youth that I would feel has a, is charged with mission and purpose. But there's also a risk to it, because how do I know, or what credibility does that, that moment on my bedside have when I actually have to go play that out? And the thing with youth is that you can't just start a relationship with a grade or friendship with like a grade seven or eight or nine kid uh, at that, in those grades and then just bail, because what if they start looking up to you? Like that does damage when you're in a role model place. So I was realizing, like, oh man, if I really commit to this, this, this will likely be the rest of my 20s that I'll be doing this if I want to do it well, and if there's a, some level of success. But how do I know? How do I know if this is credible? How do I know if this is a credible experience? This morning, we're uh, spending some time looking at this concept of a culture of discernment. Any take on what discernment is in the room? I was asking you guys what listening is, but what's the difference between listening and discernment? Understanding what God is saying. 
Cool, yeah, understanding what God has to say. Yeah. The, the question that I'm kind of driving home or the line of thought I want to keep pushing towards is what does it mean to, to listen to God? And kind of at the end, I ultimately want to make the point that listening to God has, has two primary functions. It's one, we're tending to a relationship with God, that we're, we're listening to somebody. We're not just listening to some abstract concept, but there's a person there. And then secondly, the motive there is that we're also mobilized into action. That it's not a relationship that's just stagnant, but that there's purpose to the relationship. There's mission to it. So uh, I want to keep pushing down this, this stream of thought. It's going to get, we're going to kind of head into academic water. So if I see eyes glazing over, I am flying ahead. You guys cool with that? I think it's going to be like probably five minutes of taking the sub submarine deep, then we'll come back up. So a great way to, to unpack this concept is to, is to look at the prayer that Jews have been saying each morning and each night uh, when, they, when they wake up and when they go to bed. And it's called the Shema, and I think we have a slide for it. I, I haven't really heard of Christians saying this prayer, but it's it's common for Jews. So, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. We kind of read, we kind of remember that Jesus like ripped off that one. So to hear, the first word there is to hear, and it's pronounced in Hebrew Shema, and that's where this prayer gets its gets like its title. It's called the the Shema. So to hear, the first word, it means Shema. And Shema is a, is a common word all throughout the Hebrew Bible, so like most of the Old Testament. And it's most commonly connected to like our physical ear. We have another slide, another passage from the Bible. This one's Proverbs 20. So ears that hear and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. So in one sense, it means to, to hear. Shema literally means to hear. But then this word, um, Shema, which is the title of the prayer, but it's also a word in the prayer, it doesn't just mean to hear, it also means to pay attention to or to focus on. And uh, we have another slide coming up. So this, okay, this is good. This will kind of bring some clarity. So this is from Genesis 29, and this is when uh, Rachel is feeling unloved by her husband, Jacob. And then she has a, a son, and she's cried out to God. And it's because the Lord heard, it's that word in the past tense, shamad, which is not how you say it in, in Hebrew, in ancient Hebrew, that I am not loved. He gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon, which is a riff off of that word, shema, and it's like, you can, you can kind of hear it, shaman. And then her, how she named her son is the one who hears. So I was, when I was in grade like three, like really, really young, I had all sorts of difficulties in school, just like the, the litany of difficulties. Like every program that the school had, I was uh, not voluntarily going into them, like the, the helping program. So like I was in speech therapy, uh, I don't lisp until like a, like a quite an age. Um, but then I also had like a really tough time reading. I was a kind of a whiz with math early on, but reading was like the main one. And the concern with the teachers was, it, does Ben, does Ben like literally, can he not hear? Or does he just have a difficulty like paying attention? So at one point I even got a hearing test 
because the teachers have to get to the end of this. Is this Ben just like totally not caring, zoning out, or does Ben literally have like he needs um, he needs some help with his hearing? Uh, it happened to just be like I was totally zoned out. <laughs> <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is that hearing ha it has a couple functions. There's there's something with our ear, but at the same time, there's this we need this ability to pay attention to and to focus on. So the Shema, this word Shema, this ancient Hebrew word that even a prayer is named after, it means to hear, it means to pay attention to, but it also means to respond to what you heard. So this word's pretty dynamic, and the submarine's low right now, so I admire you guys for hanging in there. So this is why so many prayers in the Old Testament, the psalmist, the first thing they're doing is they're crying out and calling on God to hear, and we have another slide. This is Psalm 27:7. Shema, hear my voice when I call, O Lord, be merciful, answer me. But then there's also the reverse when God asks us to listen, and this is where I think it gets pretty interesting. For example, when the people of Israel they're on Mount Sinai and God communicates to them. So this is the reverse. This is this is God asking something of us. This is not us crying out to God. This is, it's in Exodus 19.5. And it says, Now if you obey me fully, Shema. So this is, a, this is introducing another, another dynamic of this word. And keep my covenant, and out of all the nations you'll be my treasured possession. So with this, uh, with this verse, there's kind of two things to make note of. Is it's not just one Shema, it's two Shema. So what, what does that mean? Anybody know about ancient Hebrew repetition and all that that means? Doubly important. Nothing. What's that? It's doubly important. Doubly important. So, like, listen really closely. Get us your full attention. And then, secondly, when when God in this passage, which it's God speaking um, from His angle, He thinks that uh, that there's like there's this idea behind hearing that doesn't involve just hearing and listening and responding. It, means, it also has this idea of obedience. It's, it's connected to this concept throughout the Bible called covenant. So hearing is actually ends up being this relational word that has to do with how we make promises to one another. Fascinating. So, uh, what was this last? Oh yeah, this is the last point. So there's, in ancient Hebrew, there's no other, there's no difference between listening and obeying. It's one and the same. Same word. Same word. Okay, let's let's come up. We're done. We're done. The submarine's back up to the surface. I want to tell a story now. So I heard this story uh, several years ago, and it's from I heard it from Greg, which I normally would not feel the freedom to share it up here. But then I found the story online from the guy who said it, so I'm like full full freedom to share this one. It's another really bizarre story, but I think it kind of captures the this these different ideas that I've been talking about with how God really is after people who are listening, who have hear, ears to hear. So there's this fella named Paul McConaughey, and he's from England, and he was a part of uh, this movement that happened. Sometimes in history, uh, there's, there's people who are really like resilient in their attempt to follow Jesus, and kind of when the stars align, big things happen, and miraculous things start to happen. So this was this guy kind of at the center of one of these movements, and he was one day working in his office, as, a, as pastors do at that time in, in this location. And uh, these two ladies, he's, he's just a pastor in his office, like 
people are visiting him. He's doing admin work. He's probably preparing sermons. And these two ladies come to, to his office totally separate from one another. Does this ring a bell? Have I told this story here before? No? Okay, good. I was, I was worried I had. So these two ladies uh, come to his office. They're, they're elderly ladies. They live like with their own families. They both just totally coincidentally arrived at his office. And they, like me that one night on the side of my bed, they had this charged sense. And these are like old, older, faithful Christians who have like a, who have quite the history behind them of kind of practicing hearing God and attuning their ears to God. So they arrive at his office charged with this, with this sense of worry about Paul. So they both head into Paul's office and they say this, they say this kind of bewildering comment to Paul. And they say, Paul, we both, we didn't know we arrived here together, we both think that Satan wants to kill you today. Paul had never, Paul has, this hasn't happened in Paul's life. That's why he's telling the story. It's so insane. So uh, Paul, like these ladies, also has a history of hearing and discerning. Okay, this information just arrived at me. What options do I have in my response? What does it look like to be wise? I don't know if these ladies are right, but uh, maybe I can just practice some wisdom as I go. So he heads home, and he made this mental note. Okay, if I'm dying today, like I'm not dying in fear. I'm, I'm going you know, with courage and joy. So he's like driving his car home like pretty tentatively, worried like what's what's gonna happen here. And he walks, he gets out of his car just as he does at like 4:45 at night in England. And he he's on the side of the road. There's a huge construction site, uh, which I think is like new development and skyrise like uh, higher buildings. And then there's his house on the left hand side. And he walks uh, through his gate. And uh, he. Just as he does, it's like a, it's a picket fence. That's his detail. And as he's closing the gate, he takes like two steps beyond the gate into his yard. And all of a sudden, behind him, the huge crane from the construction site comes flying down and literally lands right in his path, but on the other side of the fence. Wild story. I'd, I'd never heard a story like that before. But this is an example of somebody who has this dialed in, like acute tuning to God's voice. And not just him, but it's also his community that's doing it. But the, the challenge with that is that when we're listening to God, and we're all coming just from all sorts of, like, we have different mental, mental health like levels. We have different experiences, different church backgrounds. There's just this reality that there is a huge margin for error and there's often like spiritual manipulation and all these different kinds of things so how do we listen to god in a way where we're doing it well where it's actually beneficial for the community not not something that would lead to like nothing that's beneficial or conducive for community's development so uh, i want to introduce this this concept of a, of a culture of discernment or becoming a becoming a culture of discernment I, I just learned about it this week, but there is this uh, this writer, this, this PhD woman who uh, she's her kind of skill set is to do with spiritual formation and spiritual leadership. So she's like leading retreats and she's writing books and she has this website that she's always posting to. And her name's Ruth 
Amy Barton. And the idea with a, a community of discernment or a community that's practicing discernment, it isn't that they're just supplying like this perfect set of checks and balances of how not to go down the wrong lane. But instead, it's how do we all together actually hear from God and then enter into this place of discerning what God has in for our community. So she made this one, uh, this one line that I think is pretty relevant to our community right now. Or it's not a one line, it's a short paragraph in this article that I would love to read um, as we're heading into this new like next phase of the life plan that will have a bit of what she's talking about. So uh, Ruth Haley Barton, she says, when the leaders launching the Transforming Center begun meeting, this is one of the things she launched. We desired to experience spiritual transformation in the context of community. This led us to establish rhythms of prayer, scripture reading, self-examination and confession, solitude and silent listening, worship and intercession that called for personal transformation. They did lots of stuff in an attempt to be listening and discerning what God had in store for their community. Super admirable that the whole community was doing this. It was out of our commitment to be together in ways that were spiritually transforming that we began to discern a calling to do something together. Together, It's only as we've struggled to stay true to our own spiritual transformation process that we've continued to discern what our calling is and to stay true to it. So I want to uh, I want to finish with kind of one final story, and uh, I think the point I suppose with that is that it's it's not just religious practices in and of themselves to get a community from A to B. It's that like I was saying earlier, there it's like it's these practices that are tending to a relationship in order to also clarify something as a sense of mission. And purpose. So it's not the equation A plus B equals C. Instead, it's it's how you would it's like how you would relate to anybody. You're coming back to that relationship to learn more, to gather more info, to be listening and receiving. So uh, I want to tell this this last one story. Uh, I heard this a few years ago, and it's from this pastor named John Tyson. Does anybody know who that is? Yeah. So he's, he's a pastor, he's from uh, New York City, so he's, he's leading in that context, which is you know, quite a bit different from here. It's, it's Eastern, it's super like, secular, um, and he, he's, just a, he's an admirable teacher. And he told this one story of this gentleman in his community who was like these elderly ladies in the story I, I just told. And uh, they were... There was, this, there was this man, and he had this unique gift of hearing from God. He was like one of those people who just has like this direct channel to God, where, where it just seems like he has opportunities to hear things that most folks don't have to hear. Welcome here. And uh, so he tells a story, and this guy was often heard God's voice in the middle of the night. Another, another strange guy like me. So he was, uh, one night, he went to sleep. He woke up, charged, like, oh my goodness, God wants to say something to me, and I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to go to Africa. I'm going to China into the prosecuted church, persecuted church. I'm going wherever you want me, Lord. And as, as usual, he would anticipate to kind of receive something back from God. But in this moment, he just received nothing. It was full-on silence. 
really unusual for him. So the next night, he wakes, he's, he's woken up again by that, by that strong sense in his spirit. He's woken up and again, it's okay, I'm ready. Whatever you want, God, I'm doing it. Like I'm, I'm here, I'm available, I'm listening, I'm in this relationship. But again, it was just like this, this silence, which was so unusual for him because he's like, he's hearing from God left, right, and center. He has such a clear channel of communication. So this went on for like a few days where he is in this high alert moment in the middle of the night waiting to hear something. And then this happens. A few nights, a few nights later, he's grown weary of, of this, and he's kind of just reluctantly doing it out of some level of devotion. He's woken up in the middle of the night, and it's high alert, but at this time he's saying, okay, okay, God, I'm, I'm here. He's not trying to head to China or Africa or start the next mission in New York City. And he said he heard this from God. Which, is, which was really interesting. He said, to his surprise, God responded, Jeremy, the fellow's name, don't you know, sometimes I just want to spend time with you. Uh, my guess is that uh, lots of us folks um, have stuff coming in the next week that we're gonna, we're gonna hit a breaking point. If, you're, if your life is anything like mine, and you're in work, and you're in your family, and you're in wherever challenges kind of come. There's going to be a moment in this next week where you like where you you head into a situation where you get brought to your breaking point. My loan is that one. And there's kind of this this opportunity in those moments to become like the worst version of ourselves, where we're tempted to be <laughs> impatient or to lash out or. Or like whatever, whatever that behavior is that you tend to go back to. And it's like in those moments I want to insert this opportunity of what we're just learning about. To Shema. Where there's an opportunity to not give in to whatever that behavior is that we always go back to. But instead to do this Shemaing where we are where we're turning our ear back to God. We're appealing to the example of Jesus. We're looking to be listened to. To cry out like as the psalmist did. So uh, to wrap this all up, um, I want to just extend this one this one invitation to you guys this morning. This can kind of be like your thing to take with you today. And it's, uh, what's the chaos in your life this week where you're asking God to bring some silence to? But I'll leave that one with you for a second. And then on, alternatively, if that's not the case, um, where, where is an opportunity in your week to head into the silence with God? where God's just wanting to spend some time with you. Okay, that's a wrap, folks. I'll just pray and then we can maybe sing another song. Well, thanks, Lord, that there is this, this rich tradition just in the folks in our community, the stories that we hear, the scripture that we go back to, where this is not just like an apathetic relationship where you're distant and angry or desensitized or, ever, or however we want to imagine that you are. But instead, who you actually are is wrapped up in the person of Jesus who, who serves others and who takes pride in like being with lowly people, needy people, and he's never far away from any cry. So you know what's going on in our lives personally. And uh, thank you that you extend this option B as a genuine option where instead of being the person that we always end up being, uh, you give us an opportunity to be the person that we are.
In your name, Jesus. Amen.